0: Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast. This is episode 30, a milestone of sorts as we make our way towards 100. I am your host, Angelo Luciani, along with Dwayne Lesnar, who we'll hear from later in the podcast. On today's show, Dwayne and I talk with Andrew Nelson, who is a distributed systems specialist at Nutanix, and we talk about all things Hadoop. It's a good one, so let's join the conversation.
1: Welcome to the Nutanix Next Community Podcast Uh, with myself, Dwayne Listener. We have Angelo Luciani on the line and with a special guest, Andrew Nelson. Today we're going to talk about uh, Hadoop. Um, No, it's not a dance from the 60s. We're actually talking about one portion of uh, the big data phenomenon. So I think it's uh, a pretty interesting topic. It's kind of one of those buzzwords that gets used all the time, and quite frankly, um, if I'm talking about it myself, I like to play a little Will Farrow sketch, where it's basically he's on a treadmill from, uh, I think, Blades of Glory, and he's like, no one knows what that means, but it's provocative, and I think that's what kind of, you know, where big data probably ends up for most of us. So uh, welcome, Andrew. Uh, Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've been, and we'll uh, go from there. Sure, thanks. Dwayne.
2: Thanks, Angelo. So I have been at Nutanix uh, focusing on Hadoop and HPC and containers, uh, basically next-gen workloads for almost the past six months. And before that, I spent a year in VMware's office of CTO uh, doing the same kind of work, as well as uh, five previous years working at VMware in the pre-sales arena basically helping out West Coast SEs virtualize around business critical applications uh, and do uh, business continuity and disaster recovery.
1: Wow, you uh, have lots of the, probably I I would assume the sought-after skills, or at least the skills that are talked about. Mainly, you must have a lot of recruiters knocking at your door.
2: The interesting part is that I believe I was the only person in the office of CTO that had actually used our products (laughs) Uh, from the very beginning, so I started out as a admin guy for a storage service provider in two thousand uh, was a consultant for a while uh, worked for e m c uh, worked for various parts of the military uh p s o free sales went to be a specialist, and eventually you know again been through all of the the different levels of the organization
1: Wow. That's uh, quite a bit of depth then, too, which is, you know, you get a lot of uh, perspective. Um, on the, the topic of Hadoop, obviously you worked at VMware and now Nutanix, so uh, virtualization is probably a key component, but maybe first, let let's uh, can you give kind of like a general breakdown of what Hadoop is, and, uh, and then we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, so Hadoop was originally, uh, I guess, first conceived at Google, where it was originally uh, Big table and the Google File System, and basically any kind of problem where you can break it down into a lot of different pieces, uh, like indexing the entire internet, uh, <laughs> is a good example, where you can do this scalably just by scaling out the number of servers. And so uh, after they published a research paper on that, Yahoo took it and uh, turned that into the open source project Hadoop. Uh, which was adopted by Apache and promoted now as just this huge ecosystem of different vendors and products around this. Again, uh, it's just a, a way of breaking down problems and handing them out to a lot of uh, different worker nodes. Uh, just managing that kind of bare metal uh, in my past is something that all of the HPC centers uh, for the Department of Energy did At scale uh, by themselves. So it was interesting to start seeing that uh, come into just sort of more an open arena where other companies would look at it, even if it was just looking at it for kind of data storage and batch computation.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the data storage part of it because I think at least like maybe a couple years ago, maybe not even that long ago, it seemed like people were trying to look at Hadoop just for cheap storage. But I think. It seems like the game has shifted to more, you know, providing real value, the, the analytical piece of it. I don't, I don't know if you're seeing that in your kind of walk through it.
2: If you think of the hype cycle, and I would say Hadoop is around the kind of trough of disillusionment, because at first it was, you know, always the, the big elephant project. How can we store all this data, and then what are we going to do with it, and how is that actually going to be justified to the business. So a lot of that initial adoption was around uh, ads and kind of driven by online analytics about uh, user experience or tailoring user queries. And again, most of this was batch processing, so it was something that could be handed out to all their servers on a nightly basis, Uh, not necessarily that something was being driven by real-time or uh, streaming analytics, which is what we're seeing now. Uh, basically, because now uh, there's a lot of servers and storage that can go into the solution, so there's a lot of money that can get thrown at it, and people want to see those results really quickly and be able to tailor and tweak as they go. So everything around you know Hadoop 2.0 or you know, the re-envisioning of the MapReduce, the batch components has been around kind of driving more value for the business, which means giving people results right away instead of just running more batch jobs, just generating reports in the background, which would be a lot more hard to justify that kind of uh, CapEx.
1: Hadoop is like you mentioned bare metal too, and you know, working in VMware and now Nutanix, obviously we're Nutanix were a virtualization only platform. Are you seeing the discussion change with Hadoop as far as virtualizing it? Because you know the I guess the the graybeards of the world are probably going to push back a bit.
2: Yeah, and one of the reasons I picked up Hadoop was that uh, it looked like a workload that wouldn't necessarily benefit from virtualization. And again, if you're just doing uh, batch processing, there's not a whole lot special to do about the hardware uh, because if you wanted to index the internet or if you want to index you know a petabyte of information. Maybe we'll do that once a month, um, and otherwise the rest of the time it was just handling ingest for data. Um, Where it makes sense to virtualize and start looking at the different layers is when you start to think about all the the compute and analytics that's going into it today. Again, calling it Hadoop itself is kind of disingenuous because you have an entire compute layer and you have your storage layer, your HDFS, and Each one of those is decoupled for a reason, uh, so that you could swap out and change stuff about the storage layer different than compute, and so you could build on uh, stuff like Apache Spark, Drill, you know, you name it. Again, why we have this whole ecosystem of vendors and other Apache projects out there is to leverage that decoupling of those two layers and figure out what actually works for the data set and what the, the customer is trying to, to get out of that data. So. Since you already have those decoupled, you know, why not virtualize those and give people that added flexibility and elasticity if they want to grow out either one of those layers or change one of them out at any given time?
1: Yeah, there there's definitely a lot of projects coming in and it seems to still be uh, still be changing. I think uh Cloudera just announced a new a new tool too. Um CUDA, I believe. Yeah, Kudu. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's like how do you how do you balance it all? So I guess that's one one benefit from the the virtualization layer. You have some room to to test that out before um, going crazy versus bare metal. Angelo, you didn't you work in the financial industry or or bank? I can't quite remember, but did you ever see Hadoop in your neck of the woods?
0: Uh, the short answer is no. But I know there there, there was a push to start looking at. You know, start to broad, broaden the scope of projects and start looking at a product, uh, product uh, products like Hadoop, um, etc. But um, in terms of uh, in production, no, no, and that, that and that's something I uh, in our test dev environments were all uh, virtualized, so that 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 would have been interesting to see in a in in our virtual environment.
2: What really amazes me uh, when I when I go into some of these. Uh, customers to talk about virtualization of Hadoop. And I start to talk about the ecosystem and the different projects. And I get a lot of pushback from uh, you know, some of the people in the room. I, I've come to expect at this point that I'm going to make at least one person mad uh, when I talk about virtualization of Hadoop in every single meeting. And it's really interesting that They feel like that it's such still a young technology and growing ecosystem that everything should already be set in stone, that everything should only be done one way, that they can't look at uh, any of these new projects to do what they actually need to do. You know, just, uh, just to give an example, you know, are you going to use Apache Spark? Are you going to be using... You know the the regular vanilla MapReduce. Um, maybe you're going to be using machine learning. Maybe you're going to be using streaming. There's there's Drill. Uh, there's Hawk, which is open sourced and which was part of the the Pivotal HD distribution. But uh, Pivotal wasn't going to continue with their distribution. So uh, anybody that had been using that uh, is more likely now either to pick HortonWorks or Cloudera, the, the other two large ones in the space. But there's still MapR. Um, you know, maybe they need to look at Greenplum, which was recently open sourced, or uh, you know, there's so many different projects going on. This kind of reminds me of whenever you get an email on LinkedIn saying we're looking for a big data expert uh, that has 15 years in uh, big data or Hadoop, and you know, basically you'd have to be one of the people around for the inception of you know the the Google File System if you actually wanted those 15 years. Uh, working on Hadoop technically. Uh, so it's funny that they they want uh, this amount of experience, which is almost impractical to have. And still, you know, a lot of these, there is no real best practices yet. Uh, you know, a lot of these things haven't been determined. So people that think they don't need to experiment, I think it's way too early to think that everything's already set in stone, you've got to be very organic in the way that you treat this and willing to look at additional projects, willing to see what works for your data set and what doesn't, and virtualization gives you a a great way to take advantage of that and see, uh, actually experiment and figure out uh, what makes most sense in your environment.
0: Yeah, and and you know, in this day and age as well, um, you know, isn't virtualization uh, sort of your, the first policy in in, in deploying systems? Um, a lot of the new sysadmins and um, that are coming up. That's that's all they know is virtualization, and that's sort of it default to virtualization first. So it's interesting when people uh, still push back on on virtualizing uh, products like Hadoop, etc. Et
2: well, yeah, I've seen it. A lot where the admins or owners of the the data feel that it should still be very uh, siloed and kind of set in stone uh, for their environment, uh, instead of looking at it just being another part of the application and taking advantage of all the different options that they have out there.
1: I uh, I apologize for the dog barking, but uh, he's three pounds and I can't get to him. So, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it's funny, like, so, you know, it's virtual, like, I think most people agree with virtualization, but why, you know, why have projects failed, I guess, with Hadoop and virtualization? There must be some bad taste in people's mouths, I would guess, because it, surely it's been tried. You know, VMware definitely has white papers. We just released one. Um, what were some of the, the old roadblocks, or what do what do people have to be aware of if they're going to go down the route of virtualizing it?
2: Yeah, I mean, once once you start working with a virtual cluster and have the capability of setting up multiple virtual clusters. Uh, Customers really enjoy that, and they see the flexibility, they see the options, and they see how they can rebuild an environment or build a completely new environment on demand and how much easier it is to manage. The problem becomes, again, with VMware, I could have the performance conversation where we can have uh, these processes run at uh, near native speed. We can go to, uh, automation where, you know, we can show clusters being built on demand and spun up and grown. Uh, but really then it comes down to the licensing cost. And at that point it's really difficult to justify because for VMware you have enterprise or enterprise plus to be able to support their big data extensions. When, uh, Hadoop was, has its own scheduler, it has its own distributed storage fabric, of course, that transcends the actual you know, DRS and storage DRS cluster or any of the other uh, cluster concepts that uh, vSphere has in place. So it really doesn't fit the same way that a traditional web app and uh, database tier does on a virtualized platform. You don't need of that, any of that extra functionality.
0: You know, I I haven't deployed Hadoop, um, so I don't really have that much experience with it. But so, see if I have this right: Uh, the Apache Hadoop uh, project, if it's called a project, is that the free version of Hadoop versus places like um, I think it's HortonWorks that has a version of Hadoop. Is that right, Andrew?
2: Yeah, it's and it's fairly uh, difficult to see anyone running vanilla. Uh, Hadoop in the wild. Uh, typically, it's it's one of the the big vendors. Uh, just like you wouldn't just run Linux, you're going to run Red Hat or Fedora or CentOS, Ubuntu, or even OpenStack. You know, nobody except for universities or some isolated projects, nobody just runs OpenStack. They're going to run a different distribution that they're familiar with and has some of the the issues with it um, filled in. And that's where uh, we come in for. You know, these vendors, a lot of them have have to have their own value add products, and that's why, you know, maybe Hortonworks is focused on different things that Cloudera is and important for customers to be able to evaluate both and see what makes more sense in their environment.
1: Right. When you're going to to pick a version, have you had any experience swapping between them? Or is that kind of a a no no or you can have to rebuild?
2: Yeah, I mean, once, once a customer is down the path, then that's potentially, if they are building jobs, again, if they're building something specific to kind of that vendor distribution, uh, then they might be in trouble. Uh, and that's where uh, these layered-on products like Pablo might give them uh, flexibility. If they're programming specifically for that distribution's API, Again, that's where they lose that ability.
1: Yeah, I I was just uh, I was reading some stuff on another kind of third-party product that was kind of helping with migrations. I just like, wow, what a what a mess! And it just kind of seemed like the lack of standards between between all of the different distros was kind of uh, you know mind-boggling. I guess I guess that'd be one reason for me why I'd want to maybe virtualize it and kind of you know break out my physical investment a bit, but. You know, I guess that being said, what uh, you mentioned the big data extensions and Enterprise Plus from VMware. Uh, what are maybe some advantages for our own Acropolis hypervisor that someone could get started, uh, you know, testing out Hadoop anyway?
2: Well, yeah, and there's big data extensions isn't uh, just an isolated product in a the while. There's a lot of kind of scale out or even just Hadoop specific Management tools. Basically, you have an infrastructure layer and clone that out uh, for Big Data extensions. Of course, that's cloning on vSphere, and then you have a config management layer for BDE. That's Chef, but a lot of customers don't use Chef; they use Puppet or Ansible or uh, even Salt Stack. So,
1: whatever um, your flavor is.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with uh, Acropolis Hypervisor, it's been really easy. You know, I've written my own blogs just to show. Relatively, how easy it is to stand up a gold image. You can either use a cloning script or cloning API to spin up those VMs and have them automatically added into your config management layer of choice. And from there, you know whether it's uh, you know a Chef recipe or a playbook, you know have that build up your cluster. And you have the same kind of functionality that isn't just specific to a vSphere only environment.
1: As far as the cloning goes, I know you know, since it's metadata operations, man, if you wanted to if you <laughs> if you if you had terabytes of data, heaven forbid petabytes, and you wanted to clone it, it's not going to you know take a bunch of time to spin up the the secondary environment before you, you test an upgrade or do something. So I could see some value in that. Is performance um a Hadoop discussion, or is it more so now or less? Because I know there's batch, but a lot of the new projects in Spark are are really talking about streaming.
2: Yeah, it's, and it really still uh, comes down to this misconception that a Hadoop cluster is, by default, always going to be busy. For your MapReduce job, of course, it would try to hand out the pieces of that MapReduce to as many nodes as it could, and each one of those nodes would be very busy. Uh, but we're still talking about utilization, not necessarily efficiency. And MapReduce wasn't necessarily efficient; it was just more, you know, indexing and running operations by brute force, and just by running it across the cluster, Spark, and a lot more of the the streaming capabilities are more about what data needs to be loaded into memory, uh, so you avoid the the data shuffle operation, you un- avoid a lot of the unnecessary I/O. Uh, but at the same time, you want to just be a lot more efficient in how you're uh, dealing with that data when it's in uh, CPU and memory, not necessarily just hogging all of the resources. Um, of course, the amount of resources is going to be uh, the size of your working set, how much data is actually going to be in your query. It's something that you're going to be very flexible about, uh, you know, the the customer are just working with is that, okay, well, you know, today we need to have around 128 gigs of memory, but we expect to double, essentially, our uh, amount of rows that we're going to have and this. Is really so in order to bring that into memory, we have to double our size of memory. Okay, we want a bare metal environment. If that's what you already bought, then that's pretty much it. You're upgrading your hardware, you're adding in new hardware, and now you have an unbalanced cluster. With virtualization, uh, we just change the change the VMs. We can be very flexible about how we want to build that out to accommodate that new working set size and be able to grow.
1: That makes that makes sense. I know talking or, or listening anyway to uh, Wikibon, they had a, a, they kind of refer to systems of intelligence as far as you know requirements needed and, and they're shifting on the fly. But a lot of their the report that they were they presented on at uh, Hadoop World in New York was, it kind of talked about the skill uh, shortage. So it kind of, you know, you paint a picture that it's pretty easy to go off and change these things. So how difficult is it managing, you know, traditional bare metal versus, you know, virtualized system like, you know, like Nutanix, you can get all of the firmware updates and insights into the the cluster. Is there that big of a gap or how does that look?
2: Well, I think, and this is something that uh, a lot of people new to Hadoop trip over, is that, you know, when you've got a distributed system like that, uh, why do you need to, to worry about the hardware at all? You know, if a uh, hardware fails, then the the jobs keep running. Um, you know, the storage is still available. We have our own replication factor. We don't need to worry about doing any of that. And the, the problem becomes, if you're you're actually working with that hardware... Hadoop is buying you a measure of fault tolerance. And in this case, I'm defining fault tolerance as that, yes, you can have a drive fail, you can have a server fail, and the job keeps running, but that's still a failed component. And it failed for a reason, and maybe that is an isolated reason, or maybe that is something more systemic for uh, an issue that could occur across that cluster, as well as Hadoop by itself is not actually buying you any, you know, incorporation of management across that cluster. Like you said, you can't do firmware updates. And you know for firmware, that could mean more IOPS from your SSD. It could mean more reliability. It could mean uh, you know, less issues across the network. There's a lot of different things that can affect the efficiency and ultimately the utility of that Hadoop cluster that Hadoop isn't going to tell you about. Again, it's going to keep running. Uh, if it has a, a server fail. But then what happens? Do you add in a new server? You know, Do you have to add that to the cluster? If you're not actually managing the hardware at all, well, then you've got a failed server, and of course Hadoop will work around that. But you know, do you, how do you actually clean that up? That's still going to require some sort of maintenance effort from the admin, especially in a cluster that's actually being used uh, from a lot of these different projects. You're going to see a lot of different potentially a lot of different I.O. and workload types.
0: Good stuff. Uh, I'm just curious, Andrew, uh, what's the largest uh, Hadoop deployment you've, uh, you've seen or, or, or worked on?
2: At least over 1,000 nodes. Wow. And again,
0: Kazinga. It's,
2: <laughs> and again, it's, it's not necessarily 1,000 nodes that's impressive. It's how many uh, projects that they're actually working with, uh, seeing someone grow out of just a batch mindset into using uh, some of these other again, you know looking at spark or drill or looking at some of these other projects and adding them in and seeing that they can get much quicker results and instead of you know fighting bottlenecks all the time and that's again one of I've seen for you know other environments, again if you're trying to do more focused kind of scalpel and now analytics on a cluster then you can see more bottlenecks come up and see them actually work around that you know work around the efficiency of the jobs efficiency of what they actually want to run on there versus just fighting hardware all the time
0: right right so I I do encourage folks to check out uh, your blog you write some really in-depth material on there and uh, I, I i do my best to share it across all the nutanix uh, social channels so we will have a, a link to your blog in the show notes um and, but i do have uh, th- i have three last questions for you andrew and they're kind of fun questions we we started um asking guests these three questions just to give the um just to give the, the the community sort of a sense of, hey, you know, he's just like me, sort of thing. So, I'm going to ask you three rapid fire questions. You can give as short an answer as you like, or or as long as the answer as you like. And and I think after that, uh, Dwayne will will wrap it up. So, iOS or Android? iOS. Favorite app?
2: I don't think I have a a favorite.
0: <laughs> Go to <don't> app. <laughs> I think I think uh, Dwayne's was uh, if I remember on our last podcast I think it would, may have been Expensify Dwayne or is that right I don't I can't remember
1: I think oh well, how how is lame am you? I but <laughs> I think it was I think it was Yammer or email because that's that's my exciting life
0: All right one last question for you uh, book you're currently reading that you think might be interesting for the community fiction or technical or oh, picture so- book.
2: Yeah, so uh, it's called the the water knife, and mm-hmm. it's actually about a, I guess near future scenario where the Western U.S. is basically uh, out of water. So, and this is a lot don't of don't come now. to Canada. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically, there's people in the future. This. You know, supposed future called water knives that will redirect water or sabotage other people's water supply because, you know, oops, there goes Phoenix or Las Vegas or, you know, some of these other uh, big cities in the Southwest that, you know, really have a rather tenuous supply of water. And of course, you know, if someone, if you blew up a dam, then if you could re- redirect that somewhere else, then what would that do to the the local community and everything else? It's, pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And, and maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll follow up with one last question. Are you reading it on a, on a, on a mobile device or physical book? Mobile. Mobile. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Dwayne.
1: It, it seemed like maybe that was the exact same story with oil and then they just switched the cards around. They switched the resource, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks Andrew for, for coming on today. Uh, maybe just shout out your Twitter handle and your blog again. And, uh, yeah, that's about it.
2: Sure. You can follow me at BMW Nelson on Twitter, and my blog is virtual-hiking.blogspot.com.
1: Well, thanks, man. It, uh, it's an interesting topic um, for myself anyway as I kind of try to dig through it too. So um, we'll uh, get that posted and uh, have a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Angela.
0: Thanks for listening. I encourage you to follow Nutanix on Twitter for latest news and announcements. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you're interested in trying out our software, you can download our free community edition today. Check that out at Nutanix.com. And as always, check out the Nutanix community, next.nutanix.com. Contribute to the forums and catch up on the latest blog posts. With that, For Dwayne Lesnar, I am Angelo Luciani. See you next time.